Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're beginning our new series on the Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy. Today we're talking about Shaun of the Dead. So, what's the plan? Right. We take Pete's car, we drive over to Mum's, we go in, take care of Philip. I'm so sorry, Philip. Then we grab Mum, we go over to Liz's place, pull up, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. This is a British Zom rom-com coming-of-age horror movie. Directed by Edgar Wright. The cast includes Simon Pegg, Kate Ashfield, Nick Frost, Don Tinsley, Dylan Moran, uh, Denarian Garthian Saul, uh, Jessica Hines, and Davy Jones. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? I watched it on my own personal physical DVD. Ah, yes. The, the peak of the physical format, the DVD. That's right. DVD. It doesn't get better than DVD, folks. That's right. And uh, so you've heard of HD TV, HD DVDs. Those, you know, those went out of style long ago. Well, um, Gabriel watched watch Predator on Blu-ray. We heard from that, him last week. What's that? <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, I think for me, it's not. It, it was kind of a failed uh, format because it tried to transition beyond DVD, but everything went to digital. That's true. I mean, it, it was around the same time, but you know, people still own lots of Blu-rays. You know? It's the Betamax of uh, DVDs, in my opinion. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about Shaun of the Dead, and we will recap the events from the movie in the synopsis that was written by Joey. Joey, take it away. Sean and Ed have been best friends for years. They live together in a small town in southern England where not much happens. However, things aren't going well for Sean. Ed just spends all day playing video games and annoying his and Sean's other flatmate, Pete. Sean, at 29, is still not even a manager at the local appliance retailer that he works at. He doesn't get along with his stepfather that he's known for more than 17 years, and his longtime girlfriend, Liz, has dumped him. Sean and Ed go to their favorite pub, the Winchester, to wallow and get drunk. Sean passes out, determined to get his life together, but little does he know, it's the world that has fallen apart. When Sean wakes up, he shambles to the convenience store for some Cornetto ice cream, not noticing the listless bodies wandering the streets or the bloody handprints on the ice cream refrigerator. It's only when he returns that Ed points out there is someone in their backyard. They go out to confront her, thinking she is drunk, but after they accidentally put a hole in her, they realize something else is going on. The pair improvise some weapons and settle on a cricket bat and a shovel. After dealing with the zombies in the yard, they make a plan. First, they drive to Sean's mom's house. There, they find Sean's stepfather, Philip, has already been bitten by a zombie, but he hasn't turned yet. They take Philip's car and drive to Sean's ex-girlfriend's house. They also pick up Liz's flatmates, Diane and David. Philip apologizes to Sean for being so hard on him and then turns into a zombie. They leave him in the car. Now there are six of them, Sean, Ed, Sean's mom, Sean's ex-girlfriend Liz, and her two flatmates, David and Diane. Together, they head to their final destination, the Winchester Pub. A crowd of zombies stand in their way, but by imitating them, the small group makes it to the door, but it's locked. Sean uses himself as bait and lures the zombies away from his friends, and everyone gets inside the pub. While they are waiting for Sean, power within the group begins to shift. David attempts to take charge, but no one will listen to him. Sean returns just in time to find the bar owner has been zombified. They rhythmically beat him to death with pool cues to Queen's Don't Stop Me Now. They also discover that the Winchester's namesake, an old rifle above the bar, is loaded, and they have nearly 30 shells. But... It turns out Sean's mom has also been bitten, and when she turns, Sean has no choice but to shoot her. Zombies finally break into the pub and eat David and Diane. Ed is bitten by a zombified Pete. Now there are only three left, Sean, Liz, and a soon-to-be zombie Ed. In the pub's basement, Sean and Liz contemplate killing themselves with the remaining bullets. 
but they discover a cargo elevator that leads to the street that offers some hope. Outside, the military arrives and makes quick work of the zombies. Liz and Sean survive. Some weeks or months later, the world has moved past the zombie outbreak. Zombies are now another part of life. Some work mindless service jobs, some are used as props for game shows, and Chris Martin from Coldplay starts a charity called Zombaid. Sean and Liz are living together, but Sean still spends time in the shed with his best friend Ed, who is now a chained-up zombie that plays video games. The end. There you have it, the events of Shaun of the Dead, the first movie in the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. Did you say that right? It's Flavors? Flavors with a U U in in it, yeah. Uh, And um, we'll begin our analysis of this movie with our pros and cons. Joey, what did you like about Shaun of the Dead? I mean, what's there not to like? It's got everything. Laughs, action, humor, drama, um, heartfelt moments. There's characters, story, incredible dialogue and camera work. Only someone as talented as Edgar Wright can deliver such a dynamic and interesting story like this that goes deep into the weeds of the zombie metaphor and also Sean's emotional arc. It it also takes a lot of pains to make sense. I think one of my favorite things about Shaun of the Dead is that it does it acts as if it is real. You know, this is how real people would act in a zombie apocalypse right how would you find out exactly right you like people they're always sitting there watching the news but none of it seems to register sean gets kind of a (laughs) kind of an idea like he keeps like getting sidetracked and seeing like there's something weird going on but again his regular life keeps swooping in and distracting him from the horror that is unfolding around him i think that's incredible I totally agree. There's so much to love about this movie. It's funny. It's just the right amount of scary. It's focused on its main conflict, which is actually a character development thing and not really about the zombie apocalypse, which I think is so great. Yes. Uh, The way they pull that off is, is really amazing. It's got great use of repetition. And it Can you has- say that again? <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> once more for effect. It's got great use of repetition. It's got fantastic editing that we've come to expect from edgar wright and uh it's got fun characters it's really the whole thing it's just throughout is fantastic uh which will now lead us to our cons which i won't expect (laughs) to see as much but let's see what you got what did you not like about Shaun of the dead joey i really struggled to come up with anything honestly um the one thing that bothered me was the action in this and this i think comes up in some of the other movies, especially World's End. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, going back to that one, seeing how that one holds up. But especially this one, you know, Sean running around hitting people with a bat. It's just not as impactful, right? It doesn't feel like he's actually hitting the zombies hard. You know, I, I think in some of the cases, he's literally pulling his punches because, you know, they're actors, not zombies. But um, <laughs> it just doesn't have the same heft to it that um, I uh, would come to expect from you know, movies about kind of mass violence that you you see in the zombie genre. Sure. Otherwise, I honestly, I think this movie is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely echo that. This, this movie is very, very good. There, I honestly don't have much to say. I just went for low-hanging fruit, like undeniable flaw is when Ed pulls up in the car to pick them up from Liz's apartment and he hits them with an N-word blast. <laughs> totally didn't need that. Caught me really off guard. It like reminded me of when Jackie Chan says the N word in <laughs> Rush Hour, where you're like, "Whoa, okay, yeah. just go ahead then." I guess so. Didn't need that. There was other humor that maybe doesn't age as well, but it felt like probably was more acceptable at the time. I don't think that when this was made, that dropping an N bomb on the audience made uh, was acceptable either. So. When you when you you've written in your end Ed's end blast, and I wasn't. I thought you were talking about his farting joke. <laughs> his I'm like, I never blast. heard that. I never heard that term before. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, it was. It, it's something no, no, no. that we didn't need in this movie, and uh, that if we could take that out, then maybe it is a perfect movie. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but that's my only con. Let's move into our overall section, and I'll get us started. The first thing I want to talk about is the opening scene. When we're in the pub, we start with this shot on Sean, and I just I love this scene. 
because it really sets us up well uh, for the rest of the movie. We get to see all of our main characters, well, most of our main characters, uh, and we get to learn about the central problem of the film, which is Sean needs to mature. He needs to grow up, right? Mainly so he can save his relationship, but also just in general. And what I really liked about this scene is the way that it was executed. We start with a bell ringing, and Sean is positioned centrally on the screen. Sean and Liz have a talk about their relationship and reference other people who are hilariously just off screen and definitely <laughs> in earshot, which uh, you know gets us into the humor of it. Yeah, and, but also introduces the characters, right? They're mm-hmm. talking about someone, and then they show you that person right there. It's so, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And then the scene ends with Sean promising that things will change, and he returns to that same center of the screen, and there's another bell ring. And that bell ring and that same positioning in, this, in the screen primes us for one of my favorite motifs of this film, which is repetition. Yes. And, um, and this happens, it's insane how much repetition is in this movie. Uh, it, it's, it's ridiculous how many lines are repeated, how many actions are repeated, how many even down to the same long cut happening two different times. Uh, so, and I mean, we could just go through a bunch of examples. The, the you've got red on you line. Is right, said, which changes meaning as Sean gets more and more covered in blood. <laughs> yep. Ed says two seconds every time he's like, instead of saying like one moment or like, hang on a second. He says two seconds, right. which he says all the time. And then Sean says at the end to reference Ed, right? Yes. It's like, oh, that's so good. It's so good. <laughs> dialogue, like metaphor, you know, it's like a leap motif, but in dialogue, you yes. know, to like introduce your character. It's like, oh, this is, this is a Ed reference, which if you're paying attention, you know exactly what's about to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and same thing with uh, when he meets or when he, every time he comes face to face with Yvonne, she always asks, how are you doing? And he always answers, surviving, which has two drastically different meanings depending on what point in the movie you're in, or three, I guess the two second time she asks those questions, it's the same thing. I'm surviving right. the zombie apocalypse. But the first one is just surviving life. And um, I, I think their relationship is, is really compelling uh, just as from like a life standpoint, but it's also a really clever use of repetition where it changes the meaning of the things that they're talking about. Yes. Uh, another one, and this one's like just action, is early in the movie, Ed is playing video games and he's like, you know, shoot, playing some first person shooter. And Sean is like pointing out where he should shoot. And then later in the movie, Sean has the Winchester and Ed is telling him where to shoot. It's yes. just the same thing. It doesn't even have to exactly be dialogue. It's just like these ideas that come back around. And there's so many more examples of this in the movie. And it it's it it's really gives this movie a consistent feeling and also kind of this well-planned feeling it makes it feel like everything has meaning and it rewards you for paying attention it makes everything feel more important knowing that it might come back around and mean something later and often does i think edgar wright i mean we're about to talk about edgar wright but he he's such a great director because he puts all of this extra detail into his movies right i mean i don't know if it goes as far as maybe wes anderson does but it's to the point where every shot and every line of dialogue and you know every character moment is well crafted you know he's taking the opportunity that the medium of film gives you and expanding it into every direction all at once right it's not just saying oh like let's have an interesting story right it's like let's use every element i have to enhance every moment of this movie. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just love that he's able to capture that so well that it, uh, like the film is so rewarding to watch because of that. Because it's, it's so funny. It's funny throughout the whole movie. Even after like terrible things happen, right? I, throughout the whole movie, I was, so, I was just dreading the mom scene where he has to kill his mom. That's like, it's so awful. I, I think about that. That's the thing that stands out to me the most when I'm thinking about this movie. It's just how they went from this zany zombie movie to this really like emotionally wrought moment with like, like so smoothly and then come back to like, uh, it gets dark again, but then it ends in like this really like the same tone it started in this like wacky universe, you know, uh, it's, it's amazing. And through Edgar Wright's lens, this movie just like becomes something so much more 
than the story it's 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 telling right it's it's such a love letter to zombie movies but also just to like film in general just showing you what's possible um uh, yeah i uh there I, I could i could talk about this for hours which we will do i guess <laughs> no but i totally agree this movie masterfully blends comedy and horror and you could even go beyond that and say drama as well but i think those two are pretty far apart and the way that Shaun of the dead is able to marry them is really amazing i would argue that it is mostly comedy because a lot of the stuff like just ends up being like kind of stupid like making fun (laughs) of zombie movies as a genre like the part where they were imitating the zombies it was so (laughs) ridiculous but it was it, it does still have the ability as the range to get to being genuinely grotesque and genuinely horrifying i mean the part where the garden girl gets impaled i was like oh my gosh like that shot could be in a really scary zombie movie where the zombie stands up and you can see clear through it i mean wow oh what a good effect too right like right through her like like i mean obviously that would never happen right like how is your umbrella stand so sharp it would cut through denim but (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't matter right like it looks so cool and like you can see their faces through like and, and everything through the hole yeah yeah I, oh, I, and then the way david gets torn apart oh and you get to God. see all of it it was uh, that incredible was... oh my gosh like yeah it's something that's like uh i mean we criticized the action earlier but something that like that scene alone is like masterful it's something that you would expect to see in like a high budget like horror movie you know yeah. in, in like something like saw or something yeah. like it's it's something where the gore is the point right like they just stick that in there like completely unexpectedly but like it's also works because it's a zombie movie you expect people to get torn apart you see people getting eaten so it makes sense that this guy would like we shined by zombies would just get his stomach ripped open you're like let's just go for it let's just show you the whole thing happened. Yeah. The, the zombie horror is good enough to be a zombie movie, and the comedy is good enough to be a comedy. It, it has the best of both, and it puts them together yes. in a way that is works so well. I, so I disagree that comedy and horror are that far apart. I think they have a lot of similarities. I think one of the reasons why comedy and horror both work is because of the shock value, right? Comedy works because... You know, let me let me explain jokes to you. That will make it funny. Uh, I'm already laughing. <laughs> <laughs> when I when you tell a joke, the, what makes it funny or makes give people to laugh is when you say something unexpected, right? It ends in a way that's unexpected. And the same thing is true about the best horror too, where it goes somewhere that you don't expect, or maybe you can see it coming, but it, it happens in a way that um, is even more horrifying or even more funny than you than you might expect. Um, I, I think there's a lot of uh, movies that do a great job of blending horror and comedy. I think China of the Dead is one of the best examples of that. Uh, but even something like Evil Dead that we reviewed, you know, three or four years ago, I think that movie has elements of comedy in it that, uh, even though it's purely a horror movie, you know, and um, yeah, I think that those two things, like, I, I think there's so much that can be said about that, especially since, like, if it's done really well. It can change on multiple rewatches, or as you are, um, you know, or, or the, your your mindset, right? You can be watching this movie and laughing at some parts, and then you know being terrified of other parts. And if you watch it again, there may be other parts that are funnier uh, the second time um, and not as scary. And there's other parts that maybe you noticed that it's actually more horrifying than than you thought before. Something like uh, the shopkeeper Norman, right? Or or the little kid, right? These are people that Sean knows and he has to come face to face with them being zombies. And it's like, when you start to think about like, you know, that replica- the, the repercussions of that, and then he has to face that head on with all the people that he knows turning into zombies, you, you notice just how horrifying a situation like this would be. Um, maybe the first time it's funny, but the second time it's, it's, you know, even more creepy. Yeah. Well, and going off of that, one of the funniest things or one of the funnier things that happens early on in the movie before it really turns into a zombie movie is all the fake jump scares where yes. <laughs> it's not even remotely a scary <laughs> moment, but you have all of like the, the language of film that we're also familiar with when it comes to a horror movie being used in completely unhorrific circumstances that just <laughs> ma- like having them be used that way, it, it ends up being funny. Definitely. Uh, and there's all these like little quick cuts, right? Where he's making coffee or anything like that, right? Where he's getting ready for work, like all this stuff to like kind of 
prime you like this is gonna be an action movie or like oh he's like all the stuff he's doing is so intense um that's something that's done extremely well in hot fuzz too but in this movie like it kind of like raises your blood pressure right you're like you're sort of like on your on your on edge even though nothing's happening you know it's just like a boring conversation between flatmates yeah and that kind of gets me into just expanding on appreciating the the things that edgar wright brings to a movie because there's so many things here that are just Edgar Wright-ish, right? So talking about those aggressive mashups that speed through something that could otherwise just be boring, instead adds like a little fun flavor to it. Like having Sean brush his teeth and like use the toilet very quickly in this like zoom, quick edited <laughs> yes. sequence is awesome. Like that, Which that- is something that you could just completely leave out and other directors do, yes. right? It's something you don't need to include at all, but it does so much to establish the tone. It, it gives like, sort of a humanity to, to Sean and it sort of establishes the, the mundanity or whatever the word is that sounds like a word. Sh- Sean's normal life right it, to directly contrast the zombie apocalypse that happens later like, it's amazing like that's some, it's, it's very simple right it's very quick it's something that you could easily just leave on the cutting room floor but including it like is a detail that builds that greater whole um, perfectly Absolutely. Another one is the long takes uh, that, and and there's two specifically that are the same long take that we get to see twice. One where it's the normal walk, and then one is the zombie walk. And I like I, I don't know if you listen to this podcast, you know I love long takes. So <laughs> to see one that's done twice like that is just super impressive. Right, and there's like the tiny details, right? Like it's the same characters, the same setting, and everything, but things are just a little bit different. Um, and uh, Sean, you know, because he's been so hungover or whatever, doesn't even notice uh, that there's a hole in the car or that that guy is not r- jogging. He's running for his life <laughs> or even like the um, the handprints on the door, right, for the, for the refrigerator door, which is like, uh, I just love this little detail where he, the way he's holding it, you can tell that he can't see yes. the handprints, right? Even though he's sitting there staring at it, whatever, just the, like the angle that he's holding it on. You can't see it from the audience, but you can believably say, oh, there's no way he saw that. Uh, it's a, it's cool. It's just like that little tiny, little tiny bit there that, that adds a little bit of realism. Yeah. And like the, like you were talking about with all the different details, it kind of rewards you for having paid attention before because you get to see where people were before and no longer are. And also those characters come back as zombies. You get to see the shop owner walking towards him as they're trying to get into Pete's car. And he literally has his hand out, like his palm outstretched as if he's asking for the rest of the money that Sean owes him. (laughs) Like that was another hilarious aspect to the zombies. Cause I guess we can get into a little bit of the zombie design, right? Because there's the quintessential question for zombie movies is like, why did you make the zombies run fast? Or why didn't you make the zombies run (laughs) fast? Because the type of zombies you're dealing with will drastically change the way your, your, uh, your, movie happens and this one they're slow they're kind of stupid they and their whole thing is it's all about the mass of zombies once you meet like this unrelenting unstoppable mob that's when you really die from the zombies before then they're not that much of a threat but also critically another thing i love about this movie is that they're not unstoppable the military swoops in and just makes like they they clear that whole street in a a few seconds honestly right like the I love this idea that like it's a it's a problem for this you know it's an endemic or something right it's it's a problem for this small community if you're by yourself or with a small group then you're in real danger but if some like well armored like well coordinated force comes in they're gonna be able to take care of this without too much trouble right yeah you have to imagine that uh you know the Shans in America who spell their name S E A N are actually yeah. having no problem with this because they're just whipping out their pistols. That was another and their thing rifles. that I couldn't help but think about was just like, there's not a lot of people don't have like a lot of guns. No, <laughs> they don't. Terms. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> So yeah, but I like I like that too. I think the way they did zombies in this movie is great. They don't focus on the like details. It's like wh- how did this zombie infection start? You hear a lot of theories. There's the, yeah. the most compelling theory to me is if you're listening to the radio on the first long take, you hear about something falling from space in like South London or whatever, and it's like yeah, that's probably what it is. But <laughs> yes. there's other ones where people are saying it's uh, a religious thing. Like they're saying this is the apocalypse. 
apocalypse. They are also saying, um, or the rapture, I should say. And then the other one is that it was like crazed monkeys that started this. Right, which is a, uh, I believe the movie is Outbreak. Uh, That's how that movie's zombies start. Or they're not, I guess they're not technically zombies, but it's like a, uh, it's closer to like a pandemic film where like, uh, or the Andromeda strain, right? Where there's like an outbreak of some disease and they have to quarantine it and they have to figure out how to stop it or whatever. But right. it does make people, I think it makes people crazy. Um, right. But it's not yeah. in, in, but the movie doesn't focus on that because it doesn't matter. Right. We don't actually care how it started or how it's going to end. Like specifically that having the military come in and take care of the problem and end this like survival situation is good enough. We don't yes. care if it's like, Oh, Liz has a degree in like biology and she's able to figure it out or she had or or Sean and Ed discover that if you smoke cigarettes and drink beer and like eat cornettos then you're immune or something. <laughs> right, right, exactly. That would be <laughs> hilarious. But yeah. But yeah, no that's that's exactly right. So, I think this is a good time to talk about start talking about George Romero. So, George Romero famously is a very is a big fan of this or was a big fan of this movie. He died back in 2017. Um uh, you know, if you if you believe he doesn't come back to to life uh, right. as a zombie, hilarious. Um, he's the he's the father of the modern zombie movie, uh, Night of the Living Dead, um, which came out in 1968. Uh, it's, it's kind of credited as the first zombie movie. I actually reviewed that on the Happy Girl uh, Fat, Happy Fan Girl podcast. If you want to check that out, uh, along with another uh, George Romero uh, movie. Um, so. That one, I believe, and I think you have this in your, uh, you have this detail too. That one, they sort of half confirm that it's a, a probe from Venus or a probe from space that like has unexpectedly re-entered the atmosphere and has brought some sort of contagion with it. But when uh, Edgar Wright was writing this movie, he was obviously thinking a lot about George Romero, and uh, he and Sean Pegg actually bonded over George Romero, their love of George Romero zombie movies, which kind of was the natural, the natural thing to happen was to make a zombie movie. Uh, but what they were saying uh, was that they pictured this as sort of happening in the same universe as George Romero's uh, Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead or, you know, Day of the Dead or all of the, any of those. Um, and the kind of, the thing about those movies, especially Night of the Living Dead, is that it happens in a very similar way. It's a, it's a remote community. There's not many people uh, that aren't zombies, um, and they're kind of holed up in a singular location. They have to find a way to get along and also survive. Um, and eventually, uh, a, like in Night of the Living Dead, a uh, like a a band of like a militia ends up like combing through the area and taking out all the zombies they find. Um, and in a, sim- a very similar way to the military does in Shaun of the Dead. Um, but what, what's interesting about that is. In both situations, right, it's a it's a isolated situation. Uh, there's a very small number of people. A lot of zombies are around, um, and the problem can be solved uh, pretty simply if you have a coordinated and powerful uh, attack, right? It's just those individuals that are that are sort of uh, helpless, um, same way that Sean and Liz and all of his friends are. Um, so in that way, it really does mirror the same thing. And um, Edgar Wright was also saying like. He was picturing this happening in the George Romero universe in the same way that the other movies did, where it's like, oh, this is happening all over the world. This is what happened to ha- this is what happens in this small town in London um, to these guys here, right? This is how they deal with the same problem that those other characters were dealing with um, in Romero's movies. And what, yeah, and while I love the, obviously the zombies are really important in this movie, I love that this movie isn't really about the zombie apocalypse, right? I mean, that's a huge threat to Sean's existence, and it kills a lot of important pe- people in his <laughs> life, so kind of about that, but it, the real conflict of this film is Sean's development as a person. He's in his late 20s, he's still very immature, his, when we begin the movie, his relationship with Liz is on the rocks, and then it, eff- it effectively ends. He has a terrible relationship with his stepfather, who's been his stepfather for a long time. And uh, his mom hasn't met his girlfriend ever, so he's definitely got some distance with her. And uh, his roommate is holding him back. So he's got a lot of things that are going wrong in his life. And throughout the film, we see Sean reconcile with his stepfather. We see his mother meet Liz and gives her basically her approval. Like she gives her this locket before she dies. And, Mm -hmm. um, And then we get to see he decides basically to move beyond Ed. Like they're still friends, but he, he, Sean finally stands up for himself and like 
doesn't let Ed hold him back anymore. And in the end, he saves his relationship with Liz. So sure, the apocalypse happens, but all that, like all of his self-development just happens during the zombie apocalypse. So that's what the movie's really about, is about Sean, not necessarily the zombies. Well, that's, that's, I think there's like, I don't think it's like a perfect metaphor, but the zombie apocalypse is sort of just an accelerant for Sean facing a real crisis, right? He's not, all of these things are going to come to a head at some point. And, they, and some of them definitely did, right? He's kind of at the lowest point possible, perfect hero's journey type situation, yep, right? Yep. Where uh, after Liz dumps him and he, like all these things are, are just kind of crumbling around him. And he realizes, yeah, he puts it on the, on the whiteboard, right? Before, right before he passes out, get your life together. Um, <laughs> you know? And that's what, he, that's what he does, right? He, he, he succeeds in not just saving most of his friends for, uh, until they get to the pub, right? But he's able to reconcile all of these uh, problems he has in his life um, in, in exactly the way you just described. But I think it's really interesting to, if you were to take this movie out of the zombie apocalypse situation, right? And, and just put him in some other crisis, right? Maybe he finds out he has terminal cancer or one of his family members does or something, or, you know, um, I don't know the, there's some sort of like attack on London and he has to like get out. Like it's a, like a refugee situation. All of those things would, uh, lead him down to kind of a similar path where he had in order to like save the people he loves, right? He has to deal with all of these different problems. Um, and even if any, none of those things happen, right? He would just end up having to do this eventually. And it's just like the zombie apocalypse gives him sort of that excuse to do it. Um, and yeah, I think that's such a powerful part of this movie. And that's another thing that Romero did really, really well was, um, use the zombie apocalypse as, or zombies as a sort of Trojan horse or like as a way to talk about something else. Yes. Um, and yeah, as a coming of age story for like a late twenties person, which is not something you really see very often, um, or just like a person, like a character story about someone growing and changing, and then you know becoming better because of it. Um, this movie works really, really well, and it just happens to be during a zombie apocalypse, and if that makes it hilarious and scary, and you know sets the stakes up so high because so many people just end up dying instead of like being cut out of John's life or whatever, right? But it's still like, it still works. It still works perfectly as uh, that for that metaphor. Absolutely, and it's so much better. I think that's like the heart that a- a- it adds that emotional impact because you absolutely could make Shaun of the Dead a zombie movie parody, where the point is to lampoon zombie movies as a genre. But it goes beyond that, and also is a good standalone movie with its own uh, value. That it says yeah. we are also our own thing, and you're going to watch this coming of age. You could even call this movie just a coming of age movie, and you'd technically right. be correct. <laughs> yeah well that's what that's the best kind of correct right <laughs> um so it's not really a parody right i i think this china of the dead is a great example of how uh great art inspires other art right edgar wright has is putting his own spin on this thing but he's doing he's taking the zombie movie formula that was you know created by george romero and accelerating and expanding on it into something that's uh, like you said, a standalone great movie, right? It takes that framework and it makes it into something more. And he, you know, he has his own flair to it um, that you know makes it specifically something that only he could do. But at the same time, it 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 fits into the zombie canon and also celebrates zombie movies and also by itself works really well there are references to like other zombie movies but you don't have to know what they are there's there's so many jokes right this can fly by and you can miss a couple and it won't matter there the rest of it is self-contained and 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 fits together into this world without being like oh hey remember when the zombie ate joe or whatever or like you know like oh remember that time that uh the zombie got his head blown off or something you just do that in this movie and and make it into your own thing um yeah i i i just i don't know i I can't say anything other than i'm really impressed no i agree it's this movie is so great and and just going off of some more of the edgar wright things that i really like it reminded me of scott pilgrim versus the world when they had the fighting the bar owner sequence 
in the pub yes. with the don't stop me now and then suddenly everything syncs up with the music i mean it also made me think of baby driver in the way that just the music works so well with what's going on on screen i don't think they needed more of that but i just love to see that and it was it honestly is like great restraint from edgar wright to only have one sequence that does that because <laughs> it's so satisfying to look at and oh, just it's experience. so funny! It's so funny when they're whacking them with the <laughs> with the pull sticks in time, you know, and it's like circling around. It's like a music video, but like, yeah. And then the mood, like, as soon as the the guitar solo starts, that's when they smash them into the jukebox and it ends. So, like, it's it it really is like diegetic, right? Like, it's, yes, it's so part of the scene. Um, and they even set. I mean, every single part of this movie is set up beforehand, and they even set up that the like the song is. The jukebox is on random and just randomly turns yes. on and plays appropriate songs for the moment. <laughs> yeah, because it played, I forgot the name of the song, but that sad song earlier. Right, song song about like losing love or yeah. something like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so that that is so good. And then another thing, I don't know if this is specific to Edgar Wright, but having, and if it is, tell me, the uh, flipping through the channels to get like a cohesive point across hilarious where some people's sentences are completed by the next channel and also just gives you kind of the you know giant view of what's going on worldwide at that current moment quickly and uh diegetically it's something that you don't have to have a narrator where sean is like and then that's when things got weird it's like right you know it does you don't need that you've got this hilarious device to be able to tell it in a much more intuitive way and that's another example of you know the movie doing two things at once or more than one thing at a time right it's showing you telling you what's happening in the wire world it's giving you the context okay this is definitely a zombie apocalypse it's happening a lot of different places right that's the only thing the news is talking about but also sort of like it's it's supposed to lampoon our characters because like the only thing they know to do (laughs) is sit down and watch tv as soon as like as soon as something weird happens like uh let's just watch the news i guess and they sit there with their mouths open (laughs) flipping through the channels (laughs) and or when sean is showing the tvs at work he's like you know flipping through the channels there and he is so he's a zombie at work and he doesn't even care what's on the tv the only thing that catches his attention is like that game show where he's like oh, i don't know what that is <laughs> but like the news it does not you know, yeah, strike yeah. him it's at just, all it's just white noise and and then just furthermore this kind of we've kind of already covered this with a repetition but separate from that kind of the setups and payoffs this movie is full of them and some of my favorites were the front door always being left open because you get that initially from when Pete is like telling them to turn the music off in the middle of the night and he walks back and he's like and the front door is open again you know like and it that's a good enough payoff but then later beyond that a zombie walks in because they left the door open and then they also had the stories of the people in the pub when they were talking about all the different characters you see the guy with the boots being eaten and that's how sean knows that they're pretty close to the pub and then also from that same scene in the middle of the night like that's why you watch this movie again and you're like oh my gosh they said it they were that's another setup and payoff or like that's another joke that i missed but I now get where the uh, after Pete like tells them off and says that, you know, Ed, actually, I want to play this quote right here because it's, it's right before this where Pete is telling them they need to turn off the music. No, 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 come on, stop it. We're friends. He's not my friend. He's a fucking idiot. What's that supposed to mean? It means, why do you fuck off? You want to live like an owl? Go live in a shed, you thick fuck. Oh, leave him alone. Stop defending him, Sean. All he ever does is hold you back. Or does it make your life easier having someone around who's more of a loser than you are? What's that supposed to mean? You know what I mean. <laughs> I, no, I love when he says, he's a fucking idiot. And he's like, what's that supposed to mean? It's like, <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Can he put it any more simply? But obviously he's setting up that end scene with, Ed actually in the shed. Right, living in the shed as a zombie, yes. But I didn't include this in the quote. I wish I had. But after that, he says, like, after Pete walks away, Ed is like, it's not hip-hop. It's electro music. And he's like, next time I see him, he's dead. That's right. And the next time they see him, he's a zombie. It's like, it's like that line... 
you you could miss it completely. It doesn't matter because it fits, but also it's a hilarious set off for, for the next payoff, like a little Easter egg. Oh just my gosh, no, but it's that's the thing is this movie's woven together like that, right? Because then Pete comes back and eats Ed. He's the one that <laughs> bites, that gets Ed. Ed is like out there in the zombies for hours, right? And, and it's Pete that's the one that gets him. It's so perfect. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so great. And again, you could do a whole hour long podcast just pointing out all the setups and payoffs. But while some of them are like that, where you're like, dang, I didn't notice that the first time. But a lot of the other ones, they are super obvious. And as long as you're paying attention to the movie, you feel the reward of having noticed things. What about what about when Sean throws the flowers away? Right. You never pick up that it's the like, I, well, I never did that, 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 um, uh, trash can was right in front of the pub, right? I mean, he's kind of there, but I was like, oh, he's just throwing in a trash can. And then David uses the trash can to break the window, and that's how Barbara finds the flowers. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Like, how, like to to set everything in motion like that. You know, this 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 like not just a row of dominoes, but like three sets of dominoes that are all converging to one point is amazing. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I can't say anything other than that. I love it. <laughs> I I'm with you there. It's it's truly amazing. And another thing that just kind of from the directing and and just kind of the design of this movie, the background sounds of things happening outside of the current scene happens a lot. One example is when Sean is in the kitchen at his mom's house arguing with her about uh, his stepdad. You can hear a car outside, kind of like well being crashed and they turn and obviously you go outside and ed is is there with a crashed car and this happens throughout where there's scenes where something's happening in the foreground and other things are happening in the background that the characters aren't necessarily uh, even thinking about they're 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 stuck in the current drama of the the foreground while things continue to happen in the background yeah no it's it's really really cool okay i think i got everything oh one more thing uh, let's talk about uh, zombies uh, as sort of a metaphor for like <laughs> modern social life. Commentary. Yes. <laughs> so at the very so like I think it's I don't know if it's the very first scene, but it, it's, I think it's during the credits. Uh, there's all these kind of quick B-roll shots of um, just random people like acting zombie-like. Right. There's a whole bunch, a whole line of. Uh, cashiers at the grocery store who are checking people out like rhythmically. There's a bunch of people standing in line for something with they all are on their phones at the same time, right? It's all very, um, it, it's supposed to obviously make you feel like, oh, they're like, they're not doing anything. What's the other one? I think there's a bunch of people like dancing or like, hit, like just kind of shambling around under a bridge. Or yeah, they're like, like that. walking towards, that's where the actual title is shown. Yeah, it just looks like they're walking down an alley or something. Yeah, but yeah, they're they just walking look like they're listless, like but they're like not zombies yet. Yeah. They're just like, uh, yeah, it's like, um, I don't know. It, it's, it's supposed to be this idea that all these people are just zombie like already. Right. Um, and then, of course, that is another thing that ends up coming back right at the very end when they're watching the news and they're talking about how zombies have been incorporated into modern life. Right. There, uh, there are zombie game shows where they're like tied up in like these big, you know, like wipeout scenarios. Mm -hmm. Right. Where they're like they're tied to like bungee cords and have to go after meat. Uh, yeah, Chris uh, Martin from Coldplay uh, started some sort of charity for zombies. There's a woman who's like on one of those like, uh, can you believe this TLC shows where she's like, <laughs> uh, her husband is a zombie and she's still like uh, in love with him. Yeah, and, like, like do, you, do you still go to bed with him? Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's a I, I don't know. I, I think there's the I don't know if it goes super deep into like uh, why that you know. Uh, this is like a funny commentary beyond that. It's just kind of funny. Um, but I think there's a certain element to that. It doesn't also put any blame on why people are like this, right? It's just sort of like, this is how modernity is. This is just how people are today. Uh, when, you know, I feel like if it was trying to make a point, it could make that point pretty solidly. Um, but you know, it, it's not going in any sort of political direction. It's just saying like, look, you know, look how people don't even think normally throughout their day. Um, and, uh, and see how, how their lives would not actually be that changed if they were zombies. Right. And I think that that's definitely done to the most effectively in a comedic sense where it's like, Hey, this movie's about zombies, but you might already be a zombie. 
that's funny. I do think the the movie co- has like a little bit of commentary on that in the way that it doesn't endorse Ed's way of being. Ed, we, it's definitely right. easy to like Ed because he's funny, but it also he's clearly not living his life to the fullest, and he's even holding. Well, he's a Sean problem. Down. Yes, yeah, he is. And and I think I think that's really where it ties into right because it's also this sort of wider uh, theme uh, that is the main conflict of the movie, which is Sean can't be like Ed. He can't be a zombie and just keep doing the same thing over and over again and hoping that not, like he can go to the Winchester um, every for every single meal or whatever, <laughs> which is my, one of my favorite lines of the movie is when Sean is outside and David is trying to usurp his control. And he's like, this is the same man who thinks a romantic night out and an unpenetrable fortress are the exact same place. <laughs> Yeah. So, so like yeah, like you said he's it's 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 sort of uh throwing Ed under the bus, right? It's it's showing that Ed's lifestyle is unsustainable but also like you know and harmful but also just zombie like, right? He is he's doing the exact same thing every single day. He's never doing anything new. He's always right there in the couch playing video games, kind of slack-jawed. And when he's dead in a zombie, it's the same thing. His life has not changed very much by being zombified. Whereas Sean, by taking control of his life and getting his life together, you know, is able to conquer this zombie apocalypse and also conquer the other problems in his life. Uh, well, he's by- able to truly live, right? Oh, there you go. Thank you. I knew it was there. <laughs> um, which that's as far as it goes. I agree with you that it doesn't go as deep as like to have some sort of uh, society-wide critique or even you know offer solutions. It, it, it's more of just comedy on that scale. But I do think in, it's like a personal advocacy thing to say like, yeah, you also should get your life together and not be a zombie. Don't be Ed, be Sean. There's one other thing that I want to mention, um, which is I really like that as the situation becomes more and more tense, the group starts to kind of fall apart and they start arguing more and more. I think that um, this was something that I, I didn't really appreciate, I guess, during the height of the pandemic, uh, but it certainly it makes a lot of sense to me now, which is that in a crisis situation, right? Only the most stable people are able to put aside their differences and work together. Nor when any sort of crisis happens, really all it does is exasperate the differences between people and just makes it even harder for you to get along with people that you normally have a hard time getting along with anyway. So I really like this. I really like that they explored that and that our characters were at direct conflict with each other as tension rose, right? Um, they, they weren't able to put aside their differences and, and work it out um, for a greater cause because that's not how people are. People uh, aren't able to do that. Uh, if they were, then we wouldn't have the problems we do. Sure. And, and on the opposite end of that, it's kind of a sign that uh, Sean and Liz's relationship does have potential because yes. while everyone else is falling apart, Sean and Liz are still able to work together in in like she's holding the bar stool up to stop a bunch of zombies while Sean is shooting. That they work well together in while everything else is falling apart. Because I guess if I could say anything maybe wasn't built super well is it's like maybe why Liz would be with Sean still, you know, cuz at that last point she's like, I didn't say I was taking you back yet. But yeah. still, I, I do think it does do enough for that, though, because the, the, the way that they interact through this crisis shows that there's truly a connection there. Right. And Sean's able to turn that, show Liz that he's capable, right, and, and able to take control of the situation. And maybe it doesn't make sense to go to the pub. Honestly, it really doesn't, it doesn't make that much all. sense. But he, <laughs> at least he has a plan, right? At least he has an idea of what to do and is able to safely lead them there for the most part. So I think that's... Um, yeah, that's commendable, and it shows that he's willing to do something other uh, instead of just kind of sitting around and not doing anything, which is exactly what he criticizes Ed and and David for, right? When he's fighting off all the zombies, uh, they're like, "Oh, he's like, I could, you guys could have helped me," and they're like, oh, "I think you got it. Like, you're fine." <laughs> Ed is texting or something. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else? Uh, no. Let's move on to our cool Easter eggs. Okay, and I'll uh, I'll get it started. This one is more of just like something I didn't know, but one of the jokes in this movie heavily relies on the idea that when you call somebody and their line is busy in the UK, they say they're engaged. 
yeah, it's a good pun. <laughs> yeah, which I was like, oh, I didn't know that was like, because, you know, there's plenty of things. We speak English just like they do, but we use very different words for different things. So. Uh, excuse excuse me, I speak American, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and so should everybody else that comes here, by the way. <laughs> That's right. And everyone else in the world. That's right. Uh, well, okay, so another one that we we talked about with uh, George A. Romero, because just like you were saying earlier, there's definitely a lot of connections between his work and inspiration for this movie and just this movie in general, but he liked this movie enough that he asked uh, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright to be zombies in Land of the Dead in 2005. Uh, yes. So they had like their little cameo in that movie, which is pretty cool. I did a little bit of research about this, and apparently Romero was wearing a Shaun of the Dead pin on his shirt during the duration of Land of the Dead shoot. Um, and he actually is quoted as saying uh, that Shaun of the Dead is an absolute blast, which is a quote that is on some of the posters and promotional material for Shaun of the Dead. Um, that is and- so cool. Like, just the idea <laughs> of, cr- like, it works so well for both of them because the guy who created, like, the genre. It, like he respects your work so much and it's like wow we really must have done something right if like the og of this loves it but then also to be him and to create something and then to have something that's like quote unquote derivative of your work be so great like that must feel awesome to inspire that so just yes. every it's a big love fest i think i think part of it is you know shine of the dead benefits from there not being that many great zombie movies as well especially not in the kind of modern era and that's something that yeah, George Romero is quoted as saying too is that there's a lot of modern zombie movies that he doesn't really like. He doesn't feel like they they take advantage of the zombie genre the way that he wanted to. He envisioned people doing, um, but *Shaun of the Dead* is sort of an exception in that. There's actually this really nice article in Vanity Fair that uh, where they interviewed Edgar Wright right after George Romero died, uh, talking about how he Edgar Wright was inspired by George Romero and how much he appreciated his support um, after *Shaun of the Dead* came out. Um, which is, yeah, it's really, it is really nice. It's, it's, uh, it's everything you hope that Hollywood would be. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I totally agree. <laughs> but like talking about others works, not being as good. Have you seen the walking dead? I've seen the first episode. Okay. So no, I've, I've seen the first, uh, like I watched it as it came out for the first three seasons and it was really good. It had like a lot of potential, but then it fell apart and it's actually like a big example of shows that went wrong Sure. And it's another zombie work. So yeah, it's nice to have one that does well. I know it's it's not the same thing to make a movie and to make a whole series, but um, you know, it is nice to have a good one. So another Easter egg for you. Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright considered a sequel uh, that would replace zombies with another monster, but they decided against it because they were pleased with this movie as a standalone product, which like, wow. <laughs> Thank you for that. Like, yes. imagine if anyone else did that ever. <laughs> um, and they also thought that too many of their characters had died to continue the story. But the proposed title for the sequel was From Dusk Till Sean. And uh, the idea, even though they didn't make the movie, the idea did have an afterlife. A mocked up poster can be seen in the film Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Oh, that's funny. Which I, I don't know if I saw it when I saw the movie, but I looked this up and it, I mean, it's basically just exactly what you'd think. It's Sean standing there with his short sleeve button up on with the red tie and he's holding the cricket bat and he has a pin on him that says two as like the, or just has the number two on it. And then Ed is a zombie standing next to him or uh, Nick that's Frost, funny. So, I guess. So that's like a, uh, I guess that's in a different spider universe then yes right? that Sp- movie a different in- spider verse that came out in another universe exactly yeah and that one That's they funny. did decide to make the sequel <laughs> so i no, i well technically you know this movie does have a sequel it's part of the three flavors cornetta trilogy right right and that that sort of anthology thing is what i um really want right when i am watching when i, when I have a movie like this right that does really really that does pretty well in the box office critically well received and everything and there's talks there's an opportunity to do a sequel what i would prefer is if they did a whole new story using the same people that helped make the first one right and then you sure you have to come up with a new concept and the writing for that is difficult right but that doesn't mean that you get to use the same actors even if you kill them off you get to you know rewrite different characters right you get to start over with something new and you get something pretty pretty good i 
yeah, I spoiler alert for our next podcast, but I actually love Hot Fuzz even more than I like Shaun of the Dead. And I um I like so much that there's these movies aren't not connected. There there's no yeah. like there's yeah. there's references to them, but they're they're not part of the same universe, not the same characters or something. I hate this whole thing that like Marvel keeps pushing, right? Which is something that comic books have been pushing forever, which is everything has to matter. Everything has to connect to everything else. I hate that. <laughs> it, it just just make it one thing and tell a story that way and stop trying to waste all your time connecting all this stuff and building all these bridges between things. I'd rather just have a, a standalone story by itself. Yes, an endless series of movies all interwoven and interconnected. Every event, like presumably mattering to someone somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I I think that's a, a really great idea, and I wish more things like that existed. It, it actually reminds me. I read that the characters that line up in that hilarious moment where Yvonne and Sean. Oh my god, run I, that's one of my favorite other. moments. It stands out to me as one of my favorite movies in any movie ever. Because every <laughs> every person in their squad has their parallel in the other squad, the exact same person where it's like the main love interest for the leader of the group and then the mom and then the other like the normal looking guy who has his girlfriend who is kind of like eccentric dressing and then like right. the oaf at the end who is not not paying attention <laughs> yeah and they're like dressed the same way but not exactly the same they have like they're doing but they're doing the same exact thing and saying the same thing to each other uh yeah oh it's so perfect well and, and what's cool about that and kind of how it ties in what you just said is that all of those actors that were in that other group were from other works that involved the actors who are in this movie so oh, really yeah like and again they're from things i haven't seen so it wasn't like that Important to me, but apparently, Spaced is a TV show that yes, a lot of the actors Simon from this Peg were in. was in, yeah, yeah, and and so many other things where it's like these two actors were in this, and these three actors were in this, and so it was kind right, of well. Martin Freeman was in The Office, right? That's right, with Diane, who uh, the, the actress who plays Diane is <laughs> right. basically the Pam in that. Uh, That's hilarious. So yeah, so there's a bunch. There's like it's not just Spaced; it's so many different works that all those actors is like a big web a mesh even of the the things that connect them so uh that was a really cool thing too i so i watched this on physical dvd um and before the movie started i actually got to watch three trailers for the for other movies um wow you got to watch them congrats i I, well i was watching them and i was like let me. I'm gonna skip past these. Cause I always skip past the trailers. But as soon as I started watching, I'm like, "What? Hold on a second. When did these are not like movies I've heard of? Like they're not movies I know about. What's uh what's happening here? The first one was a Jet Li movie with Morgan Freeman called Unleashed, where Jet Li like wears like a collar that like I don't know he get is he controlled by some like mafia boss or something like that. It was a little confusing, but it looked like a you know a fun like you know kung fu. Movie. Oh yeah, Jet Li's a badass. And then there was this movie called Drunken Jackass, uh, colon, The Quest. I don't know if it's part of the Jackass, like, canon or anything, but it's basically, like, a, uh, like, this movie. It's not, like, a real movie. It's, it's more like a documentary about these friends that go on, like, a spring break vacation, and they bring their friend who is a virgin and their quest is to get him laid by the end of the trip. Oh, valiant um, quest! Wow, exactly. And uh, of course, they're like you know drinking a lot and like are they doing British? A bunch of bro-, bro things? No, they're not. Okay. <laughs> and then the last one was, of course, Seed of Chucky, which I have heard of, but like I think it's like I think it's like Chucky Four or something. Like it's way down the list <laughs> as far as. Like seed of Chucky, movies. where now the the murderer's soul is inside of a seed, and they plant no no. So, at, so before this was Bride of Chucky, where he I guess gets married, and this one is where he has a child, or like he uh, uh, somehow <laughs> passes on the the uh, the genes of Chucky to and the then, next. And then we have uh, like Mortgage of Chucky, where he like <laughs> buys a house, and then midlife crisis of Chucky and then <laughs> right, Bride of Chucky like, 2 <laughs> he gets married again yeah, that's right because right. he gets divorced from Bride of Chucky <laughs> uh, Chucky retires yeah uh, he like ends up in a, like they put him in a home yeah Chucky like regal estates or something like the name of the home they put him in right uh, <laughs> Chucky beyond the grave yeah it's where he comes back as a ghost they have to read his will and stuff yeah perfect the whole life cycle of Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, the other thing that was special about having the physical DVD was there's some there's some like added little art in the background, like you know uh, behind the scenes and stuff. But the most interesting one was this comic strip uh, that they put out before as like promotional for the movie, um, and it it was pretty cool. It was actually the story about how Mary ends up in their garden. Um, oh. it, she is like she's like a cashier or something, and some big like creepy guy comes into uh, her um, into her store and says something to her. And as she's walking out, um, she, that guy is following her like home, and she runs into Sean who's holding the flowers, and he's like rushed, so he like bumps into her and like runs away, and she's like wait 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 because she's like worried about this guy following, like trying to get somebody to help her. Eventually, she I think she ends up back in the Winchester or something, and is talking to somebody there um, at the bar, um, and then eventually she goes home. And um, or on the way home, she gets attacked and turned into a zombie. And that's when that big guy shows up and to like at her house. And then that's when she like eats him. So both of them uh, and then and then because, you know, there's something that we didn't mention about the zombies, which is like they still retain some of the memories of their past life. So she tracks down Sean in sort of a like, I think. I think the idea is that you know she was looking for him to help her, and he he wasn't she didn't he didn't so and she remembers that so she found him and was in his yard looking for help or or something like that so that's why he, she and the big guy were in their yard um uh in the beginning of the zombie apocalypse that's cool yeah and just going off of that idea that the zombies kind of retain some of their memories. We definitely, that's definitely evident. Um, what's his name? Philip. Uh, yes. he, he turns off the music because that he hated so the music. was so good. It's so funny. <laughs> I mean, when, she, when he's like, especially, oh, but the double entendre when Sean's like, that's not my dad. And her mo- his mom's like, what do you mean? Like, no, like you, you have to understand. He's like, you know, he's, he's my husband. I've loved him for 17 years. Like, no, no, you don't understand. He's no longer your, your husband either. He's a zombie. He doesn't retain anything from his past life. And then he turns off the music and he's like, never mind. <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> and same thing with Ed. Like he still likes to play the video games. Like that's still yes. part of who he is. So I thought that was a fun little thing to kind of give the zombies some humanity so that they're not so hateable and kind of work into the post apocalypse life where they're still they're kind of just tied in yeah yeah um so there's a number of cameos in this movie uh the most of them are like actual newscasters on british television um i happen to have all of their names because they were listed in the credits in there uh the most notable of course is going to be chris martin and johnny buckland of uh, coldplay who make a, a small cameo appearance there is some controversy about whether or not chris martin is also a zombie in this movie but uh, like according to a bunch of websites that's not true like they people latched on to the <laughs> idea that chris martin was in was a cameo in this movie and thought oh he must be a zombie but there isn't anything in there although there is like a confusing headline that says chris martin thought he was a zombie in Shaun of the dead which doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me so i don't i don't really know what's going on there but there are on imdb it, sa- it says that he is a uh, credited as being a zombie outside the winchester but there is not that is actually not true um and uh yeah that there you go that's that's the end of my uh cool easter eggs Okay, and that is actually going to bring us to the end of our discussion on Shaun of the Dead. As we do on every episode of Apple Chat, we will now deliver our ratings. Joey, what rating do you want to give to Shaun of the Dead? I give this movie, uh, I'll fling my physical copy across the room to impale a zombie <laughs> in the brain. Or more likely, miss and have it shatter right, have on the wall. Shatter. <laughs> that was so funny when they were deciding which ones were worth throwing. <laughs> I love that so much. Again, I think that it serves two purposes, right? Like it's like Sean can't let go of his past. Like he can't let go of these childish things, even in the in the midst of like a, a life or death situation. <laughs> oh, that's great. I give this movie a disembodied leg that can be used as a bludgeon. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, the way Diane went out was was freaking epic. Um, if not just completely ridiculous <laughs> to choose to do that. Uh, uh, but yeah, if it's not clear by now, this is a great movie. We really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I don't want to speak for you, but I think you've spoken. I did enjoy it a lot. <laughs> and yeah, it's a great way to kick off the Cornetto, the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, which we will be continuing, right, Joey? Tell them what's next. Next, we're doing the second one, Hot Fuzz. Yes, uh, and 
really excited about that. It's I've seen it, but it's been a while, so I'll definitely be uh, revisiting that one and talking about it here with you. But until then, you, the listener, can subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, then tell a friend about it. All you have to say is, have you considered listening to Affable Chat? You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Affable Chat, or send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel. It's called Affable Chat. Affable Chat is live on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash chat. That's going to do it for this episode. For Apple Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.